Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome, and Megan's a tough act to follow. This is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, though, and I'll be giving you a tip of the trial shortly. But if you'd like to get in line with your questions, comments, or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I take first come, first serve. So when Greg answers the phone, all you need to do is give him your name and where you're calling from. And thanks for having me on your show. And uh, boy, oh boy, ups and downs and all arounds, really wild ride this year just like every year it's always just different so how about your annuals how are they doing how about your bulbs how about your edibles your ground covers your house plants your lawn your perennials your roses trees shrubs vines or water gardens i'll share my thoughts but please remember my answers comments and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take but just strictly offered for you to consider as i said greg is producing today and uh all kinds of stuff going on just kind of in general. But uh, during the week, I do something I call a walk and talk, which is a landscape consultation. And uh, whether your problems are just like an evaluation, what do we need to do with this? What do we need to do with that? What's going wrong here? Uh, You can give me a call or you can get me in touch with me through the Internet. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage. That's where my email address and phone number is listed. And I'll share 40-plus years of experience. Oh, I've been doing this for so long. Anyway, so Tip of the Trial is a special recognition for an individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. If you want to do something a little unusual for the 4th of July weekend, actually it's today and then tomorrow is going to be the end of it. The North American Lily Society is holding their annual lily show in St. Louis. They have it all over the country, different cities. So this is the first time that I can remember that it's been here in St. Louis. And it's going to be actually at the Sheridan Westport Chalet Hotel, which is in Westport Plaza. Again, it's going to be today and tomorrow. And today, tomorrow, well, today it's 9 to 5 and then tomorrow 9 to 3. So it's just all kinds of different lilies. It's probably a great show. And also, when you're thinking about Fourth of July, don't you think about chives? That's chives, you know, like the herb. Well, right now, on July 4th, you can go to the Missouri Botanical Garden and you can, you can connect with some of your oldest friends in cultivated gardens, and that's the herbs. And you can explore the culinary and sensory beauty of various herbs each week or every couple weeks or whatever it is through the entire summertime they're going to focus on a different type of herb. So with the 4th of July, it's going to be chives. So the first 150 participants are going to get a pot of herbs to take home with them and also a plant profile sheet 
on care and everything else. So that's going to be Tuesday from 10 till 2 in the herb garden, weather permitting. And that also includes the garden admission. So no, nothing else, no registration or anything else required. So again, when you're thinking about the 4th of July, I'm sure all of us think about chives. And so go to the Botanical Garden on July 4th and do it with the chives. Let's get wild. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, why don't we take a break and we'll be back right after these messages. Broadcasting from the KMOX Golden Oak Lending Studios. Golden Oak Lending, with fixed rates now in the twos. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Remember, we're heading into summertime. It was uh, June 22nd was the first day of summer. But when you're watering any of your landscape, water less often for longer periods of time so the water will penetrate. And also, I keep saying this, but if they're predicting rain, it never hurts to water as they're predicting the rain because your ground is softened. Then when the rain does come, it can penetrate deeper. And when you just water a little bit on the surface for a short period of time, most of that is just going to evaporate and it doesn't really help your plant material at all. It might help it so it looks cosmetically good, but as far as the ability to handle our weather, our changes, our winters, our summers, our falls, our springs, everything else, that's where the problem comes in. That's why you need a well-established root system. Let's go to Brighton, Illinois, and into Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Well, I actually, I got some wooded acreage, and I'm having a real, real problem with that honeysuckle. I Ooh. mean, the bushes. What, or you say just cut it and spray Roundup on it? Yeah, cut it like at a four to six or eight inches. Cut it at a 45-degree angle and put Roundup on it, but make sure you get the Roundup for killing woody plants, not normal Roundup. So I oh, think it'll be- even say Roundup poison ivy killer and woody plant killer on the label. But you got to use that be- one. If you don't use it, then you're just wasting your time. Any any certain time to cut this honeysuckle, like in the spring, fall, summer, now? I would say any time you want to go out there and start flailing on it, I would do it. Yeah, because like I said, I've I've owned this property 20 years. It's like a 60-acre track with about 45 acres of woods. And over the 20-year period, man, that honeysuckle is just, I cannot believe how much it's taken over. And it'll start out just as big as your pinky, and if you don't cut it, in three years, it'll be size of your arm. Right, exactly. And the birds love the berries, and they eat the berries, and they go from tree to tree or bush to bush. Go to the bathroom, and then you got another one starting. Oh, yeah. And I was reading online about it in species PC here in Illinois that it actually it turns the cardinal to a different color. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, but yeah, many of them it actually. Flaunts their color because it's whatever they're eating is not good for them. Right. You know, because it's an invasive species. But just cut it off four to six inches of motor ground, spray Roundup. Yeah, or take, you know, get the Roundup concentrate from killing woody plants. Take like a, a pan or a bowl out there with you and just paint it directly onto it so you don't have to spray it, so you don't have to worry about drift or anything else. Just paint it's it right a, on the I'm cuts. Like a metal sprayer. Just put like a paintbrush application. Exactly. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you. I'll give it a try and let you know. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. The honeysuckle started off in New York, and it's migrated. The only thing it hasn't been able to do is get over the Rockies. So, But anything east of the Rockies can have honeysuckle problems. Laura lives in Jacksonville, uh, Illinois. Hi, Laura. Hello, Laura. Are you there? No, Laura's giving up, I guess. 
Back to Florissant again, into Don's yard. Hi, Don. Hi there. How are you, Mike? Good. Um, I have two questions. The first question is, do lawn service for home resident people use the same product that you can buy out of local hardware stores, you know, like when uh, pre-emergent and stuff like that, uh, where you can do it yourself? Is is it... pretty close to the same product well a pre-emergent is a pre-emergent what they do is they have some that have been improved or let's say a little bit more i don't want to say toxic but a little higher quantity of the actual chemical that's why the lawn services have to you know virtually go and get a pesticide applicator's license to be able to do that so they're taking a test so they can know all the ins and outs of something they may use that is not going to be readily available Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Uh, that lawn service that you mentioned earlier on the show, was that called Ferguson? Uh, uh, no, uh, Evergreen? No, no it's uh, Bluegrass Lawn. It's on Ferguson Lane, or I think in, you know, it's in North County. Yeah, Ferguson Bluegrass. Right, Bluegrass uh, Lawn, and then uh-huh. Allen's Tree Service, too. All right. Uh, now, uh, is it too late to buy uh, sweet potato vines? Oh, heavens no. Or oh, it's not, and uh, I plan to buy some. Uh, do they spread very quick? Because I'm going to put some on a trellis, uh, you know, uh, hopefully that I, it can grow. It, I know it hangs, but it don't grow upward. It grows no, down. you have to weave it in yourself into the trellis. Yeah. And right. the smaller the plants you get, the longer it's going to take. So get a, you know, get a larger plant, and even if you're planting it in the ground, Feed them regularly. So, in other words, every two to three weeks. You know, I always say feed your containers every two to three weeks. But something like a sweet potato vine that you're trying to get accelerated every two uh-huh. to three weeks would be to the advantage of getting it. You know, to grow a little bit faster. And what is that? Uh, like a miracle or something like that? Yeah, that would be fine. Feed it. Uh, do you have to? Does it have to say on the package that it? You can use uh, use it for sweet potato vines. No, it's not going to say any kind of specific thing. So it's going to say you know bloom booster or whatever for virtually all plants or whatever it happens to be. All right, and you get the can you add with water. Exactly, it's a powder that you add into water. And every 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 two weeks. Every two to three weeks, yes. And and it'll go and it. And I can take it out of the pot and put it in the ground now. Yes. Just okay. make sure that, you know, if we have a dry spell with lots of wind, that you don't let it go through drought stress. Go okay. out there early in the morning after you've planted it for the first couple of weeks. If it looks wilted early in the morning, then water it. If it looks wilted during the heat of the day, don't water it because that may just be as a result of the heat or the wind or something like that. Yes, because they like plenty of sun. Yes, they do. Yeah. All right, then. I will take your advice. So, all right, then. Thank All right, you great. So much. Thank you. And now let's go to Centralia, Illinois, and see what's going on with Carol. Hi, Carol. Good morning, Mike. Hi. We really enjoy your show. I just wanted to tell you I planted a hydrangea in June 2015. It was blooming at the time I bought it, and it hasn't bloomed since. Is this normal? Uh, it can certainly be. You got it in a good location. You planted it properly. The leaves look good. You've been fertilizing it. You haven't been doing any pruning. No pruning. Okay. So, it, you know, it could be, you know, depending upon how big it was, it could be a while. Things have to be established. And in reality, I mean, we're very impatient. We want this kind of instant gratification. 
But, you know, flowering really stresses plants out. And if they're a young plant that doesn't have a really well-established root system, it's better off that it's not flowering. So, in other words, when it gets healthy enough to flower, then it's going to flower. So that you got, we have to kind of think of it from that direction, not like, well, I've waited, you know, over a year. But, you know, that's not, you know, what we need to be thinking about truly. Okay, you know what? I don't think I've been fertilizing it. What do you want to put Miracle Grow on it? Yeah, just make sure you get one for tree and shrub. Oh, tree and shrub. Yeah. Okay. And the other question I have is, is it time just you cut cut the peonies down completely? Uh, they finish flowering. If they're starting to look a little bit ragged, I would wait for a little bit unless they're getting some major spots on them or unless they're getting like powdery mildew on the foliage, then I would go ahead and cut them. But uh, if they're still standing up straight and the foliage looks good, I'd leave them. Oh, good. Okay. That's it. Thank you for all your info. Well, thank thank you very much. And uh, another thing, too, last week a gentleman called and his hosta colony underneath his trees was just devastated. And it was perfectly wonderful the year before. And where I was headed with this, I was saying, well, you know, you may have moles in your yard. He said, well, I don't have any moles. But something, you know, was eating the root system. The reason why I started off with the mole story is because moles tunnel underneath plant material. They don't eat the root system for the most part. They're looking for earthworms. They're looking for all kinds of other things insect-wise. They're carnivores. They're not, you know, they're not omnivores for the most part, and they're not vegetarians. But there is another rodent, more or less, a mammal called a vole, V-O-L-E. And voles use abandoned mole tunnels that have gone underneath plant material to eat the root systems. And mole or voles can live, you know, close by underneath shrubs. My parents had voles that lived under their front porch in our house in Ellisville for you know, forever. And they didn't really care, you know, we thought they were cute or whatever it happened to be. But voles and this a gentleman emailed me and he said he puts my you know mouse traps out with bird seed on the mouse traps when he suspects he's got a vole, V-O-L-E problem. When they come out, they're attracted to the seed, and then consequently they go for the seed, and then mousetrap gets them. I never heard of using mousetraps because I didn't think they were quite that small. I've always recommended using rat traps, which are a little bit bigger. But So that's where I was headed with that gentleman with his hasa colony you know, just collapsing was just simply because you know, something had gotten underneath there and you know, got, took care of the root system. And it's not to say it was only voles, but that's, you know, just my thought in general. Let's get another call in. Let's go to Carol and Centralia. Oh, we already did Carol. Let's go to John and Imperial. Hi, John. Yeah, hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, I have three quick questions. Uh, I have a Japanese cherry tree, and it seems like every spring um, I'll, I'll look out there, and, and pretty soon I'll notice that all the leaves are being stripped off the limbs. I went to a garden center, and he said it's some sort of, insect uh, that comes out only at night uh, and eats the leaves um, because I never see anything on any of the leaves. So I've sprayed it. Um, Is is that something that's going to be a a yearly situation? That's one question. Yeah, it certainly could be. I'll answer this one first. It's probably a caterpillar of some kind of moth or butterfly or something like that. They lay their eggs on the branches when the eggs hatch. Then the caterpillars are what's actually doing the eating. And so consequently, they do hide. But if you look really closely, it's not like they're hiding in the ground or in a tree, you know, 50 feet away. If you look at your plant really close, look all the stems, look on the underside of the leaves, look at every place, you should be able to see what's causing it. 
Okay, thank you. Uh, the second question is, um, can I just use 12-12-12 granulated fertilizer to fertilize various plants, flowers, et cetera, and just sprinkle it around the base of the plants and things like that? Basically, triple 12 was developed for agricultural circumstances. And the reason why I'm saying that is because that means it's put, you know, used on, originally used for plants that are grown one season. And so, in other words, like a wheat crop or a corn or vegetables or tomatoes or whatever. So the, the sort of the downside of that is simply the fact that it's not really, you know, doesn't have a lot of other nutrients and other things that can make your plants healthier. In other words, plants are like perennials, plants, you know, on annuals you could use it, on vegetables you could certainly use it, but on shrubs and things like that, I would not use triple 12. What would be your recommendation on that? Uh, I would just, you know, virtually go to your favorite garden center and, you know, see what they recommend as far as for your trees and shrubs or for your perennials. You know, it's, there's all kinds of different things. There's not only just miracle Grow. there's bears, there's all kinds of fertilizing companies. Okay, and then my last question is, when can I trim a uh, lilac bush? Is it the spring or the fall, or when should I do that? Don't, tr- don't prune it in the fall because you're cutting off the flower buds for the next spring. You okay. should prune it right after it flowers. you got a couple months after it flowers to do, it, do the pruning. Could I still do it now? Uh, you should be able to. Okay, very good. Thanks a lot. I really enjoy your show. Thanks so much for your service. Yeah, well, thank you very much, and thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller yes, on folks. KMOX. Uh-oh. I cut in early. Oh, well. Uh, guess what? Diseases, you know, if you grow hollyhocks, we always think of them as being virtually disease-free. But the last, you know, this year, and I've had a couple emails now during the show this year, a couple people have called and they have spotting on their hollyhocks, and the hollyhock plant totally collapses. That's called hollyhock rust, R-U-S-T. It's a bacteria. It's a disease. And if you, if you do have hollyhocks and you start to see them, you know, getting these spots on leaves and everything else, get those plants out of there because this disease, this foliar disease, can be transmitted to other plants that are close by very easily. And for other diseases, whether it's, let's say, powdery mildew on lilacs or whether it's powdery mildew on flocks or whatever it happens to be, the best control is to know when you have a plant that historically has had, let's say, disease problems or cedar apple rust on your hawthorns or your crab apples or things like that. you got to start spraying before you see the disease. You can spray after you see it. But it's not going to eradicate it. It's not those leaves for that year is are they're going to be bad news looking aesthetically. So just realize that fungicides, those type things work best when the foliage is just emerging and you start spraying and you give a couple different applications. So you know once this stuff is on there, whether it's on the peonies or anything else, you got to get it you know, under control before you start seeing it. Once you start seeing it, it's kind of a waste of time and effort. Let's go to the phones now. Let's go to Dorothy, and she lives in Chesterfield. Hi, Dorothy. Hello. Hi. Uh, yes. I, is, it, is it okay? Um, no. When is the right time to plant zoysia plugs? You can plant them now. Anytime now? during the warm season. It's just, you know, now you're just going to have to watch them a little cool, you know, a little closer you know, to make sure they don't go, let's say, drought stress-wise, if we have wind, a lot of sun, and everything else. So you can plant zoysia virtually through the entire summertime as long as your garden centers continue to carry it. Okay. Um, I guess uh, 
Oh, and I don't even know where to get it. Do you know where to get it? <laughs> well, where, is there a garden center near you? Yeah, there's some there, but I don't know that they have it. They probably just don't have it sitting out in front like Bears Garden Center does. But uh, I would just give them a call and see if they do have Zoiza sod or Zoiza plugs and uh, just kind of keep moving around until you find somebody that does. But it's okay for now. Yes. It's not too late. No, because okay. it's a warm season lawn grass. And it wants to be planted when the weather's warm. I, I personally, I wouldn't recommend planting, you know, bluegrasses or fescues because they're a cool season. And putting them down now, and they're faced with the heat of our summertime, that could be really tough on them. It's not to say it wouldn't work. It's just going to take a lot more work on your part to help that sod be successful. The zoysia is going to take work too. I won't fool you, but still, it has a better chance of surviving during the warm weather than if you planted it too late in the season, like in, let's say, mid to late September, it didn't get the root system established and we got a cold snap early, then that could be the end of that zoysia because you planted it too late. Better now than later. Is there a certain fertilizer or preparation you should do? Well, you should prepare the soil for sure. So if you're just planting individual plugs, get some compost, mix it in with the soil right where you're going to put that plug, and put the compost in with the soil, blend it, just don't lay it on top of the ground, then plant the plug, and that's. And then you could, don't fertilize for, let's say, three, two to three to four weeks, then start fertilizing with a, a zoysia food. Okay. Thank you. Certainly. Good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, garden centers, this is a prime time for zoysia sod. So let's go now to Alton, Illinois, and that's where Jim lives. Hi, Jim. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. Hey, I talked to you last week about the raspberry plants, and um, they got delivered, and the red one looks great. The yellow one has got one little branch off it that's like a, a bluish gray. Hmm. Uh, do I need to cut that off? I mean, it has growth off of it. Right. Um, but do I need to cut that off or just leave that go? Or? I would probably let it alone because it, I'm assuming because you really need leaves to get the plants established. And then ultimately, okay. if this leaf you know, looks a little screwy or something like that, you can always take it off. But maybe right now it's still going to help because the nutrients and moisture come up from the root system, and then it goes up to the leaf, and the leaf uses sun to make chlorophyll, which makes food, which helps get established. So I wouldn't cut any leaves off at all. Okay, yeah, it's the stem, actually, that's got like a, it's like a gummy uh, bluish-gray stuff on it Ooh. on the actual stem wow that might be but a break in the stem because that, um, that, that sounds like sap i don't know what else it could be okay um maybe and, takes and, just take some soap and water and wash it off and see what happens okay and should i uh they said to acclimate them a little bit um and I've, I've done that for about five days and uh do you think uh like a raised garden for that uh, I know you said maybe plant them about an inch down um, in the pots. Right. Okay. So put um, them in a pot and just drop the pot into the hole, into a hole, until you can see how healthy they are to make sure they're alive so you don't go through a whole lot of work. And during the time as these are getting, let's say, acclimated to this, you know, to your yard, to your environment, to your everything, then you can start preparing the area, if you don't have it ready yet, where the raspberries will ultimately be planted next year. Okay, I see. Um, so, so I dig a hole and put the actual plastic pot with the raspberries in there in the ground. Right. 
Just leave about okay. a top, you know, an inch or so of the pot above the surrounding ground. That just makes it easier to control, easier to fertilize, easier to water. In the ground, it's, you know, for bare root stuff, it's really tough, you know, going into summertime. Okay. Um, the other question I have is, uh, uh, like a screen fence, um, what do you think about bamboo or what's your suggestions on, like, a, a fast-growing plant that would uh, grow along a fence that would uh, provide uh, uh, cover, I suppose? Well, bamboo, it could be a nightmare. And realize with bamboo, you're going to wait for, like, three or four or five years before you can really start even seeing much growth. I would okay. say probably evergreen shrubs I would use more than bamboo because I don't know if you're talking about the golden groove bamboo, but the quickly a story, you know, I dug up those root systems when I worked at the botanical garden in the Japanese garden, took them to my parents' house. Once they got established, it's that bamboo is still there. My parents have been gone for several years now, but I happened to drive down the street I grew up on in Maple Lane in Ellisville, and I just looked in the backyard, and the bamboo is still there. It is, in a, I mean, it's like 200 feet long, and it would be probably even wider than that if, you know, if people weren't trying to control it. Okay. Is there like a fast-growing um, cover that, other than like a vine or something like that, or what, what would you recommend? Yeah, nothing's going, to be, nothing's going to be instantaneous other than like building a fence. That's going to be the best thing you can do if you want instantaneous. But, uh, you know, shrubs or everything's got to get established. You don't want to just have something, you know, that's going to grow too quickly because that means it could have a shorter life as a result of that. I see. Okay. Well, thank you very much, sir. Well, good luck with that. And, uh, you know, like if you wanted a shrub, I don't know how much space you have, but think about the Rose of Sharon. You know, that blooms in the wintertime, it loses its leaves, but it's blooming in the summertime. That's fairly fast growing, but still, you got to wait for a couple years before you start to see really too much growth at all. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Okay, folks, we've got about 10 minutes of the Garden Hotline, so if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold. 11 o'clock, the KMOX Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, the Rick Edlin Show. And then 3 o'clock brings in KMOX Auto Show with Mark Salem. So all kinds of stuff coming up. And also pruning. If you want to do some pruning, the, the, the Christie Park Greenway, which runs virtually from Holly Hills all the way down to River de Pere, I guess it goes over that and everything else. But that's the one I walk to when I'm, you know, walking down to the Snooks down at, you know, Hampton or Germania or whatever it happens to be in Gravel. But uh, the city has been pruning the trees along there, so the mowing and everything else could be a little bit easier. So if you want to limb up some of your trees, you can do it this time of year, and especially if you have any of the maple trees and there was some of the uh, amber maples. They've limbed them up at the in the Christie Greenway. So any of the maples, sugar, silver, Japanese red, amber maple, any of the birch trees can be pruned this time of year, whether it's white spire or river birch, or the beech trees as well. So, but remember, if you're cutting off a longer branch, cut it off, you know, one third at a time with a final cut, leaving a very short stub, about a half to a quarter inch. That will enable. The, the more or less the cambium layer to heal over and create a scab so it doesn't, you know, sort of offer an opportunity for diseases or insects. 
So don't leave a four-inch stub. Don't do anything like that. Don't cut it too close. And don't put any pruning sealer on because pruning sealer doesn't do anything anymore. Another Don in Florissant. By coincidence, Don, how are you today? I'm just fine, Mike. How are you? Very good. Uh, I've got a hydrangea that's been blooming for a number of years. This year, nothing. And I don't know what happened. Uh, anything change? Trees grow over it or anything at all? No, I don't think so. Root systems, it's, you know, from trees? Uh, I had another one at the other end of the garden, and it blooms. And uh, this one I'm talking about is actually near a cedar tree, but it's been blooming every year. Yeah, but, I mean, it could be competition with the, you know, the cedar tree root systems. It could also be how long have you had this particular one? Oh, probably eight or ten years. Yeah, it may be variety-wise. It may be sort of at the end of its life, you know, from an aesthetic standpoint. So, I mean, all plant materials, I mean, people are finding, like, there's a, you know, a group of hollies called China Boy, China Girl, Blue Boy, Blue Girl, all this other stuff. They have a limited life, too. So we're really, you know, finding out more and more as people are taking good care of the plant material like you have done with this one. Also, there's still a limited factor related to, you know, age and those kind of things as far as production, aesthetic production goes. That's not to say it's going to die necessarily, but as far as being able to flower. Have you done any fertilizing with it? I fertilize it every spring. Yeah, so, I mean, you're doing everything just right. And the foliage is full size and everything else. The only thing that might be a quirkiness is, you know, the buds that were on there for the flowers got damaged due to some, something that the other one at the other end of the bed or the other end of the garden didn't have happen to it. And uh, beyond that, that's about all you can do is just leave it alone for this whole year. Don't do any pruning. Don't do anything. Fertilize as you normally do. And if you don't get any flowers next year, I would give up on it and get another one. Oh, okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of frustrating, but uh, everything does have a, you know, a productive life. I mean, you, that's something you can even see with the roses and everything else. At the Botanical Garden, the Rose Garden, there's certain varieties that finally just, I don't want to say poop out, but they poop out. And they're just not doing what they, you know, they should be doing. And so they're just pulled out. So Peggy lives in South County. Peggy, how are you today? Good. Thanks, Mike, for taking my call. Sure. Um, I got a question. What about um, pruning on a red bud? Is that a certain time you should do it? Because my husband was trying to shape the tree, but he didn't know if he was hurting it by trimming on it right now. Basically, anything that flowers in the springtime, you should prune it within a, you know one or two months after they finish flowering. Because if you start pruning on it, you're not really necessarily going to hurt it. But all, what you will be doing is reducing the opportunity for the number of flowers it's going to have for the following season. Oh. And also, you know, as we get into the heat of the summertime, certain plants are much more prone to airborne diseases, bacteria, and funguses. And you got, you're opening up an opportunity for those to get interior inside, the, you know, whatever, whatever it happens to be. That's why, for some reason, the maples, beeches, and birches don't have that problem as far as any kind of airborne fungus situations. Okay. Okay, I'll just tell him he needs to wait till next season then. Yeah, wait until, you know, after it finishes flowering and then prune it at that time. Okay, I got one more, another question. Sure. On, um, I guess, the evergreen, more of that kind of the soft, fluffy type um, evergreen, I've got a lot of brown, but I don't see any, like, bagworms or anything. No, I, can, I see any other little bugs, but it's turning all the little needles brown. 
Should I put some kind of like seven on it or? No, if you don't see the insect, if you don't see an insect, there's no reason to put anything on it because most of the insecticides are contact killers. So it may be something else that's causing it. It may be a bacteria, it may be a disease, it may be something like that. I would take one of the branches into your favorite garden center and have them look at it oh. and let them decide what's, you know, what the problem is. Okay. And, too, I know the man was talking about his hydrangea. Mine's the same way. Mine is not really getting blooms on it. But I've noticed other neighboring ones, too, in the neighborhood. Nobody has a whole lot of flowers on their hydrangeas this year. Well, some of them, I mean, I've seen some that are just prolific with a number of flowers. So, oh, have you? Yeah, oh, it's okay. not necessarily, you know, just a hydrangea in general is having problems because of our weather or anything else. Mm-hmm. But it's exposure, all kinds of other things can play a role. Oh, okay. Because I know that one freeze, I tried covering mine up, but... I don't know if it still got damaged with it. Yeah, if the foliage looks good, then probably that had you know it may have helped, but that's not necessarily going to be damaging to the flower okay. buds. So mine can be at its lifespan to the end of it. Right. Because mine's over, mine's at least maybe twelve to fifteen years. Right. Old. So it could be you know that could be certainly the case. Okay. Well, thanks for your help today. Have sure. A good day. And let's go to Car- Carlisle, Illinois, and that's where Jim lives. Hi, Jim. Hi. How are you this morning? Good. Thank you very much for your service. Yeah, go ahead. Um, We have holes in our yard all along our front sidewalk. It's a east-west facing sidewalk, but there's no shade. And there's holes about 20 foot just all along. My wife's afraid the sidewalk will collapse. How big are these holes? They're about the size of maybe of a baseball or smaller. Uh, like an inch across? Oh, larger than that, usually. Larger? A little bit larger. Then probably you've got moles, and probably the moles are causing the problems. And then when they're, they abandon their tunnels, and this just collapses. So that's probably what you're seeing. I don't think you, you know, you could have somebody come out and take a look at it. But this doesn't sound like something that's going to cause your, you know, your driveway to collapse. I wouldn't, you know, I'm guessing. But, uh, you know, even if you can't, you know, just take a picture of it, measure how big they are, and go to your favorite garden center and ask them what they think it is. But my guess is it's probably some kind of rodent, be it uh, moles or something along that line. That's kind of what I thought. Would there be any way to get rid of those? Uh, you know, mole traps is the best thing to do. So, I mean, you got to go, you, there's either choker loop, choker loop or Victor Spear traps. you got to set them and then find out where the tunnels, you know, where they're tunneling, an active tunnel area, and then set the traps along the tunnels. So thanks, Jim, for calling. Sam, could you do it kind of quick? Uh, planted an elderberry bush uh, about three weeks ago, and we've been watering it, uh, put fertilizer and everything, and made the whole what we were supposed to do. How often do I water this, Mike? Uh, it is in full sun from now until this evening. Basically, do not overwater. Don't overwater. Right. So when you go out in the morning, check it in the morning, see how the foliage looks. If the foliage is wilted in the morning, water. If it's okay. not wilted in the morning, do not water. So Every other day? Uh, I would not. You've already had it for two weeks. I would say don't do it every other day. Just look at it, you know, whenever you in the morning, whenever you get up or whatever and see if it's wilted. Then you water. So it may be once, you know, every five days, because 
it's been really humid and everything else. Right. Or, right. you know, it's been really windy and really dry with low, low humidity. So that may be every day for a couple of days. So you okay. can't just put okay. a, a routine on it like that. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Thanks. And thanks to everybody for calling in today. And wow, 4th of July weekend. So everybody have an explosive type weekend. And if you are going to do any kind of fireworks yourself, be very careful. If you're headed out, you know, downtown, the parade's already started, so just understand that. There's all kinds of stuff going on at the Botanical Garden, at the St. Louis, at the Forest Park, and there's just so much stuff to do this time of year. This is a perfect time of year. It might be a little bit warm, but just take it easy. Enjoy your yard. Take time to sit out and just enjoy. We all try to do a lot of stuff. We want it to look really good. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.